The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. History creeps. I am one of your hosts. I am Johnny Townsend, and I am joined by uh, two fellows who I love and adore with my heart and soul, and that is Christopher Chavez, yo, and Carter Johnson. Howdy ho! <laughs> What's up, guys? What up? What up? What up? Uh, that's another one. I've never actually really watched South Park, but I make fun of it a lot. <laughs> oh man, Carter's making all kinds of confessions today. I, you know, <laughs> he's he's got he's he's feeling like he's got to get a lot off his chest. Dude, the other day, <laughs> the other day, my wife was like, "You've never seen the Dark Crystal." And I was like, "No, I've never seen the Dark." And she's like, "We've got to watch it right now." And she's like, "What were you doing during this time?" I was like, "I was watching actual R-rated movies." <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Carter's cleansing his soul today. <laughs> There's been a lot eating him over his. His lifetime. Yeah. He's had a lot He's of been killings. living quite a lie. Living quite a lie. Who, are, who even friends. are you? Those you know what? Imagine, uh, Johnny, imagine. Imagine if the next thing that came out of his mouth was he really doesn't even like Ghostbusters. <laughs> you will, Carter, now that you'll never hear. You might hear me say I don't care for the Star Wars extended universe. There'll be an explosion in the background. But. Carter, yeah. if you Carter, if you ever said came out and said that you didn't care for Ghostbusters, I would feel like I didn't even know you. Right? Exactly. Well, okay, okay. I can say this: I didn't care for Ghostbusters 2016. Uh. But, oh, we know. Yeah, that's that's the only part of it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man! If you ever hear me say that, go ahead and shoot me because I'm probably a, a demon or a pod person. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. That we'll know you, it's, we'll know it's not the real you. That, <laughs> That's how we'll know. That's how we'll know it's his if evil twin. If we see twin. two of you in one room, and then we got a gun, and we got to shoot one of them, we're going to be asking a Ghostbusters question to see which you one's the real the card. Hard, yeah, ask the hard Ghostbusters question. <laughs> yeah. Like, in deleted scene 137. <laughs> <laughs> if you pause it just right, on the bottom right-hand corner. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, man. Another week, guys, that we're uh, surviving, I guess. What's, I mean... How's how are things in North Carolina? I know we're starting to try to reopen here in New York. Uh, same, but it same feels like here. it feels like everybody decided that to reopen two weeks ago because people are just kind of doing what they want anyway. Yeah, that's people. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people are, I, I really, people are kind of selfish. I see a lot more arrests happening with really? this, you know, and it's just it's just not arrests. Yeah, like like well, I mean, like if they tell you if they tell you. Can't open your business right now. Oh, businesses, you go open yeah. Your business right now. It's like, okay, well, you should probably be arrested. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like, yeah, I guess here. Your... I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of here in New York, like the the parks. People uh, oh, yeah. in New York City cool. are just kind of like all hanging out, like it's not a big deal, no worries. And yeah. wasn't that one of the worst hit places? Oh, God. I mean, 
I know the city was hit pretty hard. New yeah. York city yeah, was. yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. I mean. Most of I the mean, state got, that. I mean, we got it over here in Buffalo. We got a lot too. Uh, but it's like, I mean, that's our current creep, Thanks right? People packed it like sardines. Yeah. Yeah. This is our current creep. City, so. our, our current creeps is the uh, a phase one opening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it sounds like Dude, a let, creaking let me, let me open door. During all this quarantine, did either of you guys sit down and watch I Am Legend? I've never seen that. I've seen it before, but I didn't watch it during this during this current thing we're in. Oh. Okay, well, apparently I'm not the only one that hasn't got all their nerd cred here. <laughs> I've seen it before, though. <laughs> I was talking about Chris. How can you not have seen I Am Legend, dude? Uh, never, never got around to sitting down and watching it. There's a lot of you know what I haven't seen either. I still haven't seen the new Joker. I haven't seen that, so don't feel it's bad. It's pretty good. So, um, but yeah. So, what were you going to say about I Am Legend, real quick? Just watching it was just like with everything going on. And it's and the movie set in New York City, and like there's uh, there, uh, there's all these quarantine billboards up, and you know all this uh, m- medical uh, stations that are like abandoned, and all this police tape, and it, it was just really like I don't know, it gave me a weird. I had to I had to like stop it and walk away from it, you know, and then go back to it. It was getting a little too real. Yeah, there you go. It was getting too real. It was getting too real. Interesting, for me. man. Yeah, that's how that's how I felt when I watched Contagion, like right as everything was starting to go a little haywire here in our country. Yes. And it was like, whoa, yes. this is a little too this is, this is too yeah, this is too close to parallel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we all knew that humanity would be its own downfall, right? Because we're obviously we're we're obviously just very selfish. We only care about ourselves. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Yeah. We don't care about other people, even if they're in our own family for whatever reason. And yeah. I guess the scary part is like you watch the movies and you're like, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is just fiction. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this, yeah. this isn't real. And then it, and then it is real. And you're like, well, how are we okay. living like, like it, Yeah. I guess the movies got it right in some way. It keeps feeling like every day always feels like, like, how is this like reality? Like, how is this even? And it's weird too, because I was talking to Aaron about it. Like you'll go in a store and you'll see somebody walk around without a mask and think to yourself, what the heck's wrong with them? Right. But how, yeah. like how funny that is that that fast, just with a few months time and our minds already think that way. You know what I mean? Our lives, I, like I our, our reality is different. I remember going to see, uh, the third Resident Evil movie with my wife. And there's a character in the movie who's like a 16, 17 year old girl. And she's constantly obsessed with her makeup, like doing her eyeshadow and doing this and that. And me and my wife were just making fun of it, you know, up and down while we were watching this movie. And recently we watched it again and we were like, well, that's actually pretty true. We can't we can't really make fun of that anymore. Here's all these people complaining they can't get haircuts and yeah. go to the mall and this, that, and the other, and we're, we're making fun of this teenage girl doing her makeup. It's yeah. probably how she's keeping her brain straight. You know? Yeah. We literally we I think it was in North Carolina, honestly. We literally had people who took guns yeah. to a Starbucks, I think it was, or some kind of coffee shop because they wanted coffee. <laughs> How is that not terrorism? Like, it is terrorism. How are those people not arrested? That's what I'm talking about. Maybe it's because it's How so stupid. How is that stupid. not terrorism, dude? I mean, I feel like it's because it's so stupid. You know, it's but wasn't so wasn't Starbucks Check your open? Privilege, dude. Oh, I can't get my Starbucks. But isn't Starbucks open? Drive through was open, yeah. Our, yeah, yeah we we got one down the street where the drive through was open. Yeah, but, but you can't go inside. Yeah, that's <laughs> impending our freedom. But it's so like, I don't like people anyway, so I don't want to go in. To begin with, yeah. would, would they have yeah. done the same yeah, thing if they're like, yeah. so, 
What if they were like, you can't come in because we've got so we're, we're working, we got some construction happening. Would they have done the same thing then? I, you know what, you've got a point. Probably not. Nonsense. I doubt it. I think, I think a lot, and this isn't just. I think this is a lot of humanity because I know I can be this way too at times. But if somebody tells you you can't do something, uh, then for whatever reason, it strikes something inside you saying, well, why can't I? I should be able to do whatever yeah, this is. Yeah, I think it's something that's kind of ingrained in us as a as a species, uh, I think. No, that's yeah. an American trait, dude. That's uh, that bullshit individualism that they teach us. <laughs> and you have a right to every – like – Somebody needs to explain to those people, you don't have a right to go into Starbucks. I'm the opposite, dude. If you tell me I need to do something, then I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. Nope. I, 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 it dep- See, Chris, you got to watch this movie. On, it nope. depends on where it's coming from. <laughs> yes. yeah, Chris is very stubborn. Chris, I'm you got to watch this. Tiger King <laughs> no, I, I, dude, I agree with you. Like, to, to some, it depends on where it's coming from. You know, That's if awesome. a cop is telling me I can't skateboard somewhere. No, there's no sign up, dude. I'm pretty no. sure if I if I gave Chris an ultimatum, watch Tiger King, or we're not friends anymore, like I would just he would just lose me lose my contact. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> oh, oh man! If the doctor tells me to do something, then I'll probably do it. Like for a deadly epidemic, that's that's not the same yeah. as you know. No, I know. Yeah. To me, anyway, it's not like the same as you know just. I hate to say it, but some asshole telling you not to do something just because he's an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Correct. All right. So we're all holding up is what we're saying. Right? <laughs> we're all doing all yeah, right so as far. Well as we can. Yeah. So yeah. far. I'm yeah. I don't go to the beach, but I don't really want to yet. I'm kind of scared, honestly. I'm telling you that, uh, like, I watch Sports Center from time to time, and they're so. Like they have, they've had nothing for months to really report, right? So today, there's actually a NASCAR race in Charlotte. Oh yeah! And they, and Sports Center is so hard up for any sort of content that they legit interviewed a lady and her dog who just happen to have a condo over the racetrack, so they'll be able to watch the race. So they just <laughs> interviewed this lady just because she's going to be able to watch the race. That's the only reason. That's well, nobody amazing. else is nobody else is going to. Right? Yeah. Right? There's no spectators. That's, this is it. the one where it's yeah. just the it's just the drivers and the cars and the stands are going to be empty. Right. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what they're starting to do with all of the sports because uh, in in Europe soccer started up again. Uh, I was I saw yesterday a live game in Germany and it was just them on the field, nobody at all in the stadium. And it was kind of cool though because you could hear all of them. You can hear them yelling and talking and and yeah. calling plays. It was it's actually really cool actually. Yeah, I know. Um, the NFL and NBA are going to try starting up soon, and that's one of the things they're questioning about. It's like, what do we do since we're not going to have anybody in the stands? Because, you know, like in the NBA, uh, they're going to be uh, broadcasting these games, you know, on TV, and they're not going to want any of the language that's <laughs> that you'll probably be able to hear now because you're just going to be able to hear the players trash talking. Each also, yeah, yeah, I was going to yeah, say, also, yeah. I heard it was going to be at Disney World, so how are they pulling that yeah. off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they're trying to do. They want to do it at Disney World, all in one place. Uh, but it's. <laughs> but I mean, okay. I guess. I guess my thing is, if I if I want to go to the movies, okay, and and take take COVID and everything out of it. If I want to go to the movies, right? I gotta pay out the wazoo for a ticket. I gotta pay out the wazoo for drinks, popcorn, such and such whatever yeah. candy and whatnot. Um, 
It's a lot of wazoos. It's very expensive. Well, but here's the thing. People always like to bring that up, but they never want to talk about a $12 beer at the Panthers game. What's the difference? Why do you need to be at the game to watch the game? Yeah. I, because I'm constantly told, why do you need to go to the theater to watch the movie? Uh, oh, that's the same. Yeah. Probably, for the, probably for the same reason you want to go see the Panthers game. There's something yeah. about being there and seeing it that's not the same as watching it at home. Which isn't to say you can't watch it at home. You know. Look at Netflix, man. They're making a killing right now. Oh, they're actually getting first-run movies on Netflix now. I know, right? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Wait, wait, what what, what went up on Netflix? Uh, What was that movie? It's got, uh, I can never say his name. It's Kamel. Kamel. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Oh, with Batista? A a couple. Yeah, it looks really funny. Yeah, that I got it. Yeah, oh, I got it saved to my list. That one just got put on there. I can't remember the name of the movie. You know what else is on there? There's this documentary about the Unabomber. Oh, uh, and it's and it's in his <laughs> words. Uh, that's a great transition. I, oh, wait, hang on, hang on a second. On too, actually, hang on a second. It's in his words. He, yeah. he's he's kind of interviewed during it. Uh, okay, uh, like the Jeffrey Dahmer yeah. thing that they they had yeah, a little bit yeah. ago. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's um he's a he's a strange one. Uh, so of course today's topic. Oh, (laughs) tell me how strange, man. Oh, we're going to get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Unabomber today. But guys, do you know why he was named the Unabomber? Actually, no. All right. The (sighs) FBI, uh, used a case ID for this case. Uh, it was called the university and airline bomber and they shortened it to Unabomber. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did not know that. So uh, I got a lot of my information from uh, the HistoryChannel.com and from a couple of different newspapers during this time. Uh, we were kind of discussing before we started recording this episode. Most of uh, uh, all three of us, I believe, do remember, uh, like, because uh, we were at the right age in the mid to late eight nineties. I mean, uh, where this guy was found and arrested, and it became yeah. a huge deal. Uh, but what I was not, uh, I mean, I kind of knew, but there's a lot of stuff that I wasn't totally aware of, was just how far back this case dates and how long the FBI was chasing this guy. So let's get into the Unabomber. Uh, May of 1978, um, a security guard at the at Northwestern University finds a package, he opens it, and it explodes. And he becomes one of the first ones injured by the later would become known the Unabomber. Uh, Nineteen seventy nine. Uh, the bomb didn't. The bomb didn't kill him. No. No. Uh, huh. We're going to get into uh, a lot of this stuff too. Uh, a lot of misconceptions, I think, are about the Unabomber here. All right. In the next year, in nineteen seventy nine, on May ninth, uh, another a graduate student at Northwestern University again is injured by a bomb that came through the mail. And then on November 15th, an air, an American airlines plane was in the air when a bomb goes off in the cargo hold. Uh, but luckily, um, it didn't destroy the plane. The plane was actually able to make an emergency landing and everybody on board recovered. They said the most that kind of happened was there was smoke. You know, people were kind of damaged and hurt by the smoke a little bit. And lots uh, of new drawers. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 100%. So this is when the FBI kind of comes in and decides, hey, uh, there's, uh, there's a connection between these three. 
these are the three bomb cases, and this is when the Unabomber file goes active, and they start really kind of keeping track and trying to catch this person. But as you'll know, as you'll know, as I'm going to go through more of these cases, he made it very tough to be found. He was really smart, and we'll get into how smart he was. Uh, but he would send from different places, like he would send mail from different places all the time. He would travel uh, to different areas to send mail to other different areas and stuff. So he was very hard to track. Uh, in 1980, on June 10th, so all this is even before I was born still, uh, United Airlines President Percy Wood gets a package in the mail. He opens it, it explodes, and he's injured. Uh, in 1981, they actually find a bomb in a University of Utah classroom, but luckily they found this one in time and it didn't go off. Uh, they were able to find it and disarm it. In 1982, on May 5th, a secretary at the vendor, uh, Vanderbilt University uh, gets a bomb in the mail, and it goes off, and she's uh, and they're injured. On July 2nd, um, a professor of ele- electrical engineering gets a bomb at UC Berkeley through the mail, and he's also injured. Good lord! So this is so from 78 to 82, we have all these people who are being hurt by the bomb. And if you watch the documentary. Uh, they do a good job of saying you can tell how this guy's getting better and better at making bombs. Uh, he's kind of learning on the fly almost at some point, but you can tell he's improving and getting more uh, dangerous with them. Uh, so, so far, nobody's been killed, but people have been hurt uh, fairly badly. Uh, 1985, May 15th. So he actually went three years uh, without a lot of activity, but by 1985, Another bomb at UC Berkeley goes off, and people are hurt, and a person's hurt by the bomb. Uh, June 13th of that same year, a bomb was found in Boeing, which is in Auburn, Washington. Uh, at the, I mean, in Boeing, by that I mean like the, uh, the actual office of Boeing, the airplane mm-hmm. uh, was found. But it, that one was found in time and disarmed. On, on, on November 15th, as you'll notice, there's a, there's a pattern emerging where they're finding these bombs. Uh, they're finding them in. Uh, universities and in uh, one case in the airplane. Uh, this is going to come back and and you'll see why. Uh, <clears throat> on November 15th, a package is sent to a University of Michigan intended for a professor, but someone else opens the package and they get injured by the explosion. On December 11th, uh, this is this is the first time that somebody is killed. On December 11th, um, a man by the name of Hugh Scott, and I hope I'm pronouncing it right, was tragically killed by a bomb that he opened near his own computer store. Uh, that's a very important part here, the computer part. Remember that. In 1987, we're in Salt Lake City now, the bustling area of Salt Lake City. Uh, in a computer store parking lot, a bomb was found in the parking lot, and it injures a man by the name of Gary Wright. But this is also the time when an eyewitness actually saw somebody drop that bomb off in the parking lot. And this is where we get that very famous or infamous sketch of the Unabomber. Hmm. We've all seen it. You know, the one with the hood and the glasses and such. Little pencil mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So from then on, from... 87 to 93, he's a little quieter, but by 93, he decides to come back with a vengeance. Uh, in June, uh, the New York Times actually receives a letter from the Unabomber. So this is the first time he's actually reached out. He's been he's just been sending bombs before. He's never actually 
not giving his reasons or anything like that. And uh, we'll come back to that here in a second. On June 22nd, uh, University of California, uh, uh, Jeanette, I'm going to say this, in, the guy who studies genes, <laughs> uh, Charles Epstein was injured by a bomb that was mailed to him. And then on June 24th, a Yale University computer scientist uh, was hurt by a bomb. In 1994, December 10th, uh, Thomas Moser, who was an ad executive, is killed when a bomb is mailed to his home and it explodes and goes off. So that's the second person who tragically is killed or murdered, I really should say. In 1995, on April 24th, uh, Gary uh, Gilbert Murray, the pre- I don't know where I got Gary yet. It's Gilbert Murray, the president of California Forestry Association, opens a bomb that's sent to his office and it explodes. And then on September 19th, the Washington Post and New York Times both published the very also infamous Unabomber's Manifesto. Uh, in this manifesto, and it's ridiculously long, but in this manifesto, it basically says uh, that the you know that we as a society are uh, getting too attached to technology, uh, which you know I don't know what the Unabomber would say now because we're even more so now. But even back then, he was he was very mad about that. He thought we should stay more with nature. Uh, he was very much very much for. Uh, echo friendliness, I guess you would say. And uh, he really hated that everything was going to the technology route. But in 1996, this is, you know, they've just printed this manifesto. David Kaczynski and his wife read it. And they noticed something, especially David's wife, noticed something in the wording of how this manifesto is worded. And she tells David, hey, I think this might be your brother. David had a brother named Ted, and on April 3rd, 1996, Ted Kaczynski was arrested at his Montana cabin. cabin. But who exactly was Ted Kaczynski? When he was captured, it marked the end of the FBI's longest and most expensive manhunt ever. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Dude. Because it lasted from, you know, the 70s through mid-90s. He was considered incredibly smart, but he was a loner. He graduated high school two years early. And at 16, he got a full scholarship for Harvard. uh, To which he would graduate with honors. What? uh, Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. At Harvard, literally, how to make a supervillain? <laughs> yes, yeah. this is. I mean, yeah, this is uh, Lex Luthor. Uh, so he would take part uh, when he was at Harvard. Uh, he would actually graduate with a bachelor's in math, and he would also go on to get his master's and doctorate from the University of Michigan. So this is a smart guy. Uh, but they would also say one of the things I thought was really interesting. I saw this in a few different places. Apparently, during his time at Harvard. There was this controversial study by a psychologist named Henry Murray, and what it would do is they would hook you, hook some electrodes up to you, and then they would just insult you for hours, and they would have you, uh, they would basically say uh, what you stand for, like all the things you believe in, and then they would just insult you over those things, 
and they would study how you reacted to being insulted for hours and hours and hours. And apparently they said Ted did this for, uh, for I think he said over 200 hours and something like that. It's for a long time. Jeez. And this was kind of the turning point for his sanity in a way. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine that. Could you guys, you know, I don't mind some constructive criticism. <laughs> uh, but I don't know how I would take that. Just sitting there just having insults hurled at me on purpose. It's like we're on the internet or something. <laughs> was he strapped into a chair or something? I mean. <laughs> he had it. I mean, they had electrodes stuck to you and stuff. So I'm assuming he wasn't going to go anywhere. But still, goodness gracious. The electrodes measure the speed of the slap? I mean, <laughs> that was, uh, we're going to be slapping some people. <laughs> that was Twitter before Twitter, dude. Seriously, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, 100%. Yep. So when he turned 25, he actually became the youngest assistant professor in the history of the University of California at Berkeley. Like he was the youngest one to ever reach that status. So just think about it. This guy growing up, sure, he was a loner. He was a little strange, but it was obvious this guy was super intelligent. I mean, he graduates from high school early at 16, and by the time he graduates at 16, he has a full ride to Harvard. I mean, that right there, you know, holy yeah, cow. Exactly. That's a big deal. Yeah. But he would only last at the at this as an assistant professor for two years because he would resign without actually providing a reason. He would just leave. He would resign and just take off. He didn't tell him why or anything. He just left. And he went and he lived with his parents for a little while while he was building a cabin in the woods in Lincoln, Montana in the 70s, which was really isolated. You actually, if you're watching this documentary, they'll show you the area this cabin's in, and it's just surrounded by tons and tons of woods. It's just surrounded by trees everywhere. Uh, he did have neighbors, but they were really spread out, and they rarely saw him. And what? And they did say that he would uh, actually, they would catch him at times going around their stuff, like taking stuff out of their shops and stuff. Uh, and they didn't realize it was because he was trying to make bombs or anything like that. They just thought, well, there's that old strange Ted over there <laughs> type of deal. Oh, Ted. Oh, yeah. It's That's just Ted. Ted. Yeah. Uh, but at some point, he started to hate technology. And that's why he wanted to move to the woods and live in the woods. He lived alone. Uh, nobody else was there. He never had any visitors. So by the time the FBI gets there and they surround him, uh, luckily, they were able to take him without much of an incident. Um, they found all kinds of stuff inside that cabin. I mean, it was wild, all the stuff he had in there. All the bomb-making stuff, he had more bombs made. And they were saying that these bombs, he was getting better and better, making them more deadly. Uh, by the time it was done, uh, he had actually killed three people and had injured well over 20. And injured has been a lot lightly. Some people were maimed. Uh, you know, some people lost limbs and stuff due to this. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the trial happens. And I think even during the trial, they even lifted airlifted his cabin and brought it to the trial so people could see it. And uh, so on May 4th in 1998, the Unabomber gets a life sentence in Colorado, I believe. And today, he's actually still there in jail at the age of – he's actually 77 as of right now. And that's the part that really blew me away. For whatever reason, I had in my head that he was dead. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, too. Like, I thought he was – yeah, I thought he was dead. I really did. Uh, but not I mean, for all intents and purposes, he basically is, but... Yes, yes. So uh, I guess right now we can say we're kind of slapping him in the face every time we do send a tweet or something, because he's got to hate that, right? <laughs> I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, imagine if he has, a, he has a Twitter account himself. 
<laughs> what a hypocrite. <laughs> he kind of oh. already was, right? He's using technology to build bombs. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And what he was doing is he was trying to make them as hurtful and painful as possible. He was, like, sticking nails and everything in them. Yeah, So when it would go off, it would actually do even more damage. That's... Good yeah. lord. Yeah, uh, so, uh, like, they actually said in the documentary, uh, you can tell as you're following these bombs along that he's actually just getting better and better at making them. Did and when they, they talk at all in the documentary about how they how they were able to uh, connect each bombing to him? Yeah, because they're all kind of s- sort of made the same in a little way. Uh, that's yeah, that's what I, does he you. have like a signature or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is something that's – I mean I don't understand bombs, so that's probably why I don't get it. But uh, apparently like just anything, like even – I guess I'll relate it to me doing art. Uh, you know, I got a, got kind of a sort of feel to how I do my art. It's how I draw. Yeah, and you can probably sort of pick out something I've drawn compared to somebody else. But yeah, I wonder if bombs are. I would assume bombs are the same way. Anything you make or create, you're going to kind of put your own signature on it, one way or the other. Well, I hate to sound like a moron, but in the movies, they always talk about how some bomb makers have signature ways that they make bombs. Yeah, you know that they use a certain kind of explosive, or they use a certain kind of detonator, or a certain kind of uh, like style of wiring it or something. You know. Yeah. He was literally making everything himself. I mean, he made the whole thing himself. Uh, so it's it's not like he was ordering stuff off the you know off the internet, and get it mailed to his house or anything like that. He was he was for a defense contractor, man. Then you can kill people, you know, for free, basically. Yeah, uh, and he was well off the grid. I'm talking super duper off the grid. Uh, I don't. I, yeah, it's. Uh, they said when they found his cab and he had so much stuff in there, just all related to making bombs and stuff he'd written. So that's all. That's how he's spending his time was just making bombs and writing manifestos, basically. <laughs> kind of surprised the place wasn't booby trapped. I am too, honestly. I mean, yeah, you'd think yeah. a guy like him. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they they actually capture him without much of an incident. He kind of comes away. Uh, like very peaceful compared to what you would think it would be. You think it'd be an all out drag out fight to get him. Yeah. Or he would have blown himself up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But they did a really good job. The FBI did a really good job of kind of sneaking up on him and getting him. I don't think he knew they were on his trail. Uh, and they said actually when they captured him, he had more bombs made and ready to go to be milled out. Oh my God. Could you imagine? That's yeah. crazy. It's pretty yeah. scary. I don't oh, know. It's very scary. I don't know yeah, why. You know. Um, but I always, always confuse the Unabomber and Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. Yes. I think or like they're the same or, or the Unabomber was part of the Oklahoma city thing. You know what I mean? Like I always, or it, it happened right around the Unabomber was still active when Oklahoma city happened. Yeah. They were around the same time. So right. thinking that. Was that, well, was there a, was there a point in time where they thought maybe he had done that? I don't think so because the, Oklahoma City bombing is a very different type of bomb. I mean, he put a lot of he put like explosions in a truck or a van. Yeah, it was like a which, truck bomb. Yeah, and he and he parked it at that building. It's full of fertilizer. That's when yeah. the fertilizer thing happened. Yeah. So it, it'd be a different signature for sure. I'm not saying it couldn't have been the same person, but I kind of think they would they would think it wasn't. Uh, and actually, there's also a documentary about about that on uh, Netflix. But they actually catch McVeigh. Uh, actually catching for a routine traffic stop of all things down the road. And he's in jail when uh, they're trying to investigate this bombing. So he was very easy to get. 
they'd already had him in jail for a, yeah for a traffic thing because like, he had guns on him at during his traffic stop. Like Dahmer all isn't over that, again. Isn't that how they caught Oswald too? That's how they catch a lot of them through routine. I think it's how they call oh, Dahmer. Yeah, yeah, they catch Dahmer that way too. Yeah, just routine traffic stops and stuff. Like that's what I don't get. Like just man. I mean, I'm glad they're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Thank oh, goodness man. they mess up. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's the Unabomber. And I do think we should cover McVeigh at some point because I'm I'm with Chris. You're not the only one who's gotten those two confused, uh, for sure. I, I mean, they're around the same time, like we mentioned, and they both involve uh, countless tragic things that happened and sadness. Uh, and it's and they both had sort of manifestos going about them. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you have it, the Unabomber. Um, I I can't believe it took us this long to get to that though, because that's a big one, man. The Unabomber. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't... of course, and of course, I didn't get super, super duper detailed. Uh, there is, a, I mentioned it a couple of times. There's a great documentary on this on Netflix that I do recommend. It's like a documentary series. I think it's a couple episodes, but it's really well done, and I interview a lot of the people involved with this. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I do recommend it. Yeah, it's funny because you said Unabomber is what you're covering. I'm like, oh, yeah, we know that, right? And then like as, as you talk, I, I hear some of these things, and I'm like, wait, this isn't Timothy McVeigh. And then it's like, hang on. How long did this go for? Because I don't I don't think I even knew that it had been around since the 70s. Like that had been an issue then. I, for some reason, it just seemed like it was only when we became aware of it. Like, oh, this is the guy that they were talking about. I don't know why I didn't know it was during that whole time. Yeah, and McVeigh and, and Kaczynski are two very different people. Like, McVeigh was in the Army and everything, and that's where he kind of got to where he was like, we're, he hated bullies his whole life. Yeah. And when he was in the Army, he he was he actually excelled in the Army. But then while he was there, I think he was there during Desert Storm, I believe. Uh, I might be getting my facts wrong there. But when he was seeing actually active duty, he realized that he felt that they that the U.S. was actually the the bully ah, so he was, that he was making a point I yeah. see. well there you go creepers now you know the difference between timothy mcveigh and the unabomber if you didn't already um they're, they're both they're both awful people yeah they're definitely awful people uh but they're not the same person So no difference there yeah <laughs> no. yeah but they're uh they're not the same person uh you guys have anything else you want to say before we head out of here close up the clubhouse for the evening mm, i don't think so I've been drinking sweet tea, so my mouth is dry. <laughs> so I'm going to say no. There you go. All right, Creepers, <laughs> thanks so much for listening to another episode of History Creeps. Uh, tune in soon. We've got a couple of extra new podcasts coming out. We have uh, some new episodes coming out for, for History Creeps, so listen up for those. Uh, other than that, make sure to lock the doors, close the windows, and above all, stay creepy. Stay creepy.